Welcome to this podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. Uh, soon to be joined by my co-host, uh, Lucas Ugenti. Uh, for this latest podcast, we are lucky to have uh, Justin Bourne from Sportsnet uh, on with us. And we'll be discussing everything from William Nylander to Frederick Anderson and so much more. Welcome to this podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Lucas Ugenti. And for this latest podcast, uh, we are lucky to have Justin Bourne from Sportsnet. Welcome, Justin. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, so you know what? You brought up some pretty interesting points uh, in in uh, last week's uh, radio show with Ziggy and with Scott. So I did, I did want to have you on and, and kind of explore a couple of those topics. Um, you know, two being... A couple of the players that are very polarizing here in Toronto, one being William Nylander and the other being Frederick Anderson. So I just want to kind of take, you know, a little bit of your time and kind of explore those. Um, you made mention on the radio last week that, um, you know, William Nylander has a lot of cachet with his teammates. Um, there seems to be this running narrative that he's lazy and that, you know, the team is looking to get rid of him. So I just want to kind of see, you know, get your take on the narrative as well as, you know, what you meant by, you know, him having some cachet on the team. Yeah, well, you know, I, I spent uh, a little bit of time with Willie in the American League. When he was with the Marlies, I was there too. And, you know, I, you, you get to see how the guys interact with them. And first off, like in, in that scenario, he's like the young, cool superstar on the, on the come up. And a lot of people uh, take that opportunity to kind of treat people as lesser thans or to subordinates and that they deserve more. And, you know, we just never saw that uh, in the dressing room. He treated guys really well, um, you know, did everything that was asked, asked to him, um, great work ethic and just a, a likable guy. Like think about my role there. I'm the video coach in the American hockey league. Like I'm a nobody in that dressing room. <laughs> you know, you got the, <laughs> Sheldon keeps the head coach. You got other big dogs, high draft picks, whatever. And, you know, he always uh, went out of his way to, to treat me well, to chat uh, all those things. And, and that goes a long way at the end of the day, when, you know, you have moments where people can question you, they fall back on how you've generally treated them and your general behavior. And, you know, this is a guy that, that people like, and I, that, that goes a long way on a team. So where do you think the narrative came from that he's lazy and that the team would be, you know, if, if the team was looking to, you know, if, if this playoffs didn't go the way they wanted, that he would be the first one to go. Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually ironic because he makes it look, he makes hockey look easy and fans love when they can see guys working hard. And so because he, he's such an effortless, he has an effortless stride. He has an effortless way about him. You know, he's a little bit, I guess his nature is a little aloof almost like he just, everything just looks easy in his life and he's really tough to get riled up. And like fans want to see guys running around and angry and see the emotion on their face. And I think they get frustrated when they don't get that. And it's, it can be tough to understand on like on hockey central, we, we had uh, Kevin Woodley come on who does goaltending chats. And he talked about how, you know, Freddie Anderson is a bit like Willie in that people don't recognize how good he is because he's so quiet and how, you know, he's positional and he's sound and he's not flailing. Whereas you get some worse goalies who look like they're scrappy and battlers. And it's because they're out of position all the time. You know, that's the same for Willie because it looks easy because he doesn't look like he's 
he has to go to the you know hundred percentile of his effort. Uh, people think he's not trying, and that's just not the case. No, and, to, and it's kind of sorry, Pat. Oh, sorry. I just pop in there really, really quickly, but just to just to wedge in there, is it yeah. like um, is it like an organ, organizational problem? Like, does the organization, or I mean, you only got to spend a couple years with him, if that like. Were the Marlies kind of looking at him like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't care as much as we think he should, or, you know, his personality or the way he shows himself on the ice isn't exactly what we're looking for. Or is that just like pure media driven? Yeah. So media driven. Like if you look at the opportunities, Kyle Dubas and crew have had to move off of Willie Nylander and they still haven't like the media here has been beating down the door to trade the guy, right? Like, you know, you can't have four guys to make this much money. Someone's got to go. It's always Willie. It's always Willie. And they haven't done it. They haven't done it because they know better. They know what he is. They know what he can do and what he can bring. And right now you look at those four contracts, uh, you know, Willie's looks pretty darn good. You know, from the day they signed this guy, it was like, you know, that, that contract seemed like so much money. And, and I would say like a week later, it felt like he was a bargain bargain deal. And I think they recognize that, you know, as guys, anytime you get someone scoring north of 30 goals for, you know, south of, of, uh, of $7 million, you've done pretty well. So if they didn't believe that he, he was working hard or whatever, they'd have shipped him out, but they're keeping him around. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's always been that, that, that's always been that one narrative that's always nagged at me. You know, like from the day he's come on, like he's always produced, you know, like, and he wasn't, when he first came on with Mike Babcock, he wasn't always given the same amount of power play time as some of the others, um, you know, in key moments, like even Austin Matthews sat, you know, for, for what Patrick Marlowe during, you know, some key pivotal moments in the series against Boston. Like I just, I never quite understood the narrative and I've always tried to fight against it. So it's kind of nice to, to get a more holistic view. Cause you have that intimate view on the Marlies during his time there. Um, as well as I'm sure you, you know you have a lot of contacts that that you know yeah. do relate some of this some of this information. One one thing on this though is that like it is important to keep the you know it doesn't come a hundred percent from nowhere. Sometimes it's that yes. it's like but because it is easy for Willie. Sometimes when you know you play a lot of games in a row and nothing's really happening. And he knows like he just needs that one chance and it's just going to happen. Like you want to get something more from him. He kind of just like waits for his natural talent to have opportunities. And when the opportunities don't come, he's not, you know, some players go out there and do something else. And right now what they want from Willie is just like, if, if it's not going, if you're not getting the chances, find a way to get engaged in the game so we can use your talents more. So it's got to be that balance sometimes that, you know, he can put himself in the fights a bit more because they're so confident that when he gets into puck battles, he'll win them and he'll do effective things. No, most definitely. I, I guess I write there. I find that kind of ironic because especially in the way the NHL is transitioning and the way hockey's transitioning nowadays, like I'm not saying that you obviously don't need a guy to absolutely try his hardest and battle in the corners, but it, right. It's really just not the type of player he is. So like almost why, why force him out of his comfort zone to do certain things that he's, a maybe not going to excel at, and B not going to not going to produce the way he would if he was. Let's just say sitting in front of the net and getting that one opportunity. Yeah, and I, I think they just have like a bit of a track record. Like think about it, like Keith has been with him now for his whole time. Essentially, you know, he had some time with Babcock, obviously, but you know, before before he came to the Leafs and now with the Leafs, and I think they've just seen a trend where like 
you know, it's the old carrot and a stick. Some people are motivated differently. There's definitely yes. like a little bit of a trend when Willie gets the stick, he plays well for a while. You know, you don't ever, <laughs> I know that's terrible, but like there's only yeah. so often you can see it happen where you're like, okay, well, they gave him the business and, you know, like coming out of this, uh, this recent time where Willie had to like be quarantined and, you know, they asked what, you know, Keith, what do you expect from him? He's like, I expect him to be our best player. And then Willie's their best player. Like when they lean on him a bit, they get good results. So I think that's just, the ebb and flow of, of give and take with coaches, the same way it is with a boss and a coworker, a teacher and a student, it has to happen sometimes. Yeah. I, I think what I find generally is um, the same standard isn't necessarily applied to all the players. And I know my team and I have had this conversation that, you know, like Mitch Marner could give up the puck and have the puck go in the, you know, go in their net, yep. you know, cost them an overtime win. And then if Willie was to do that exact same play, it would be oh, like no. 24 hours, new cycle replay after replay. I just, I, I kind of always wanted to understand and get some insight as to why certain players seem to be handled differently in this market. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And uh, you know, what's unbelievable is, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen the memes on Twitter. Like it's always about the Leafs, like every conversation about <laughs> another team, you find a way it's like ends up being about the Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Act, it's secretly always about Willie. Like no matter what conversation we're having about a player on the team, it's like, yeah, but how would they, you know, how would people talk about it if it was Willie? And I think it's that like, if, you know, everyone, even Mitch Marner, if you push them enough, you get a change of emotion, a reaction, some sort of pushback. Like, you know, you've seen Mitch Marner get mad. You've seen him get moody with the media. You've seen him, uh, you know, like you see the whole array of emotions. Like it's like, yes. you just can't get through to Willie no matter what you do. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. He's just like impervious to it. He's like a golden retriever, like just no bad yeah, days. Yeah. And I think that frustrates people. Like people struggle in their lives to make payments and relationships to do anything. Yeah. And Willie got it just looks so damn easy. <laughs> I think it pisses people off. That was, yeah, that and, was I, really and I don't think Blomlocks hurt him at all either. Right. So. That was gonna be my question. Like, does he does he care? And I don't mean that in like right. a, a traditional sense. Like, hey, obviously he's gonna care about his job. He's gonna care about scoring goals, making money. I mean, that's, yeah. that's human nature. But I mean, does he care that you know he goes out and has a stinker on a Monday night and the press Tuesday morning ripping him? Like, does it that affect him in any way, or is he just like, hey, it's it's Tuesday morning? Is what it is. Yeah. Well, so this is where it gets dangerous, right? Because like I, you know, this is where depending who you ask, people start projecting their own opinion of him into their predictions. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't say that he doesn't care, yeah. but there, here's how I feel about it. I feel like if Willie has a bad game or two and the team starts losing and they feel like he's part of the problem and the media is all over him, he cares because it really messes up his day. Like he has to talk to the media. He has to go to the coach's office. He has to stay out after practice. He has to watch more video. Like it's inconvenient for him. It's just better to play. Well, I don't yeah. necessarily feel like he's someone like, if I don't want to stay on the cup, I'm going to jump off a cliff. And so there are people who you get that vibe from, and he's not that guy. Like, let's be real. Willie doesn't win a cup. He's going to make TikTok videos on the beach shirtless and everyone's going to love him. It's amazing. <laughs> but you know, it's, I, there's also the thing here where, if you are like Willie and that is your natural personality to be laid back, cool, calm, collected, you know, should he have to fake it? Like, I, I, I do think he does care. I do think he does care. It's just, I don't think he cares as much as like, you know, the guys who grow up 
and just obsess over the Stanley cup. I think he wants to be a famous NHL player and make his money and win a Stanley cup. It's just varying levels of like hunger for that cup, I guess. Which, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, really, when you think about it, like you, for example, you see most recently the, the Trevor Lawrence controversy and it's, you know, he, he kind of basically said like, Hey, like I'm all right. If football wasn't a thing and people are losing their minds, like, you know, how can a franchise quarterback say that? But at the end of the day, if you have talent and, and you're still walking the walk, does it really matter? And that's kind of the way I, where I lie with uh, Willie Nylander. It's like, listen, if he's still going to score 30 goals a year, yes. he can show up wearing sunglasses every day. It doesn't bother to me. You know? Well, you know, and I can relate to Willie or could have as a player, like, you know, my dad won four Stanley cups and everyone thinks like, you know, thought for me, like, Oh, you must like, just love it. And it's like, I don't know. I like it a lot and I'm pretty good at it. You know, like it's, it's going to pay yeah. for my education and, you know, I'll kind of just play and see where it could take me. But like, I didn't have this like insatiable appetite. I have, I'm much more competitive on the media side now than I ever was as a player. Like I want to be the best media analyst. I want, you know, I, I, I hunger more for this than I did as a player. And so I get it. I get it to some extent that like it's provided a great life for him and, and, you know, maybe, maybe he does hunger for it and I just can't tell, but just, that's my, my opinion, just my limited interaction and, and watching following the Leafs as much as I do. So then that kind of allows us to kind of quickly transition into another polarizing figure. Um, recency bias, you know, be damned, um, is Frederick Anderson. You know, everyone pretty quickly jumped on the Jack Campbell bandwagon um, when, you know, when Freddie went down and, and didn't have necessarily the best stats. Um, I kind of want to get your take on Frederick Anderson's season to date and, you know, maybe where his placement is come playoff time. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a huge issue. And I imagine in the front office of, uh, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs that this is a regular discussion is where are we on Freddie? What do you think will be? So this is like a real development in, in hockey is evaluating goaltenders and who fits an organization's play and what do you think they're going to be in the past? It's been a total crapshoot. Now there's a lot more work that goes into this. So the salary cap is a huge factor. His age is a big factor. Some injuries lately might, you know, make them hesitate. I don't know, but it just feels to me like they will find another direction to go because of where they are up against the salary cap. And I think they viewed the, the core four guys we've been discussing here as forwards as indispensable. I don't see the only other way I, I think they can keep Freddie is if they move on from Morgan Riley this summer, like they, you know, they're keeping Zach Hyman. So like, you just can't keep everyone. And, and, you know, yeah. because he has the question marks around him, I think he kind of just feels like the odd man out right now. Is that so I don't know how much you know necessarily about the, or, or in, on the inside of the Maple Leafs per se, but for, for Frederick Anderson, is, do you think that has something to do with his play this season where it's kind of like, listen, I don't have a contract. You mm-hmm. know, the fans are on me. Media is on me. Um, I'm not playing, you know, I don't want to say up to par or as good as he has been, but he's not playing the best right now, you know, amidst all the injuries and so be it. But does that have something to do with his psyche and, you know, his mental fortitude every time he shows up to the ice? Yeah. You know what, what I think is going on this year is like, you know, first off he was good against Columbus in the playoffs last year. And everyone remembers a goal or two against that. He should, shouldn't have let in. So that's fine. Those are bad goals, but like still, still good enough. And then he comes into this season and I believe he had COVID. I don't remember how long before the season, but it certainly would have affected his training and his, you know, approach. The season was good to go by the time the season started and was hurt. 
somewhere along the way. And, you know, Jack Campbell was injured and he felt like they needed someone to go and he felt he played hurt through an injury. So like he's, it's not been an easy road for him. And I think behind the scenes, people don't, people don't understand or don't see behind the scenes, like what guys go through to get their bodies ready. And I think Freddie's probably gone through a lot this year to, to put himself in the position to play these weird games in a high pressure media environment with the backup goalie that, you know, is gaining some momentum in front of no fans, COVID injured. Like it just has been a bad, a bad mix for him. I kind of like the, the position he's in right now where he's had some time away, a bit of a fresh start. Um, you know, hopefully he comes back feeling good and energized about the playoffs and can show this team and this fan base like, hey, I'm the best goaltender that's been in a Toronto Maple Leafs crease in a, a long, long time, and I, I hope people don't take him for granted. And I guess we know one final question before we wrap this up, and I do want to get, you know, your, your thoughts on this, is because of how this season played out for Freddie, what are the chances he takes, like, a bet on himself type contract, maybe a one-year contract just to come back to Toronto, you know, maybe come back with better stats after, you know, after next season and then try for a larger contract after next season, mm-hmm. given that a lot of NHL teams are right up against the cap. Well, the, the thing that maybe gives you hope there is that teams are all so tight, tightly pushed up against the cap. Like no one is going out there and giving guys seven year contracts with huge money right now. A lot of term has been chopped off these deals. So if it goes poorly enough, like if Freddie, you know, bites it here in the playoffs and all of a sudden no one wants to give him more than 3 million bucks for, you know, times two years or something, the least would definitely be in if you're talking numbers like that. So yeah. It, it, it does depend how it goes for him. And I think it is possible. One of the reasons you don't love how the contract negotiations went with particularly Mitch Marner is that if, if guys aren't taking hometown discounts, how do you sell Freddie to do it? How do you sell Morgan Riley to do it? How do you sell Zach Hyman to do it? It's possible. These guys all do it. And they, they believe in what this Leafs team has. I think if they have success, it increases the chances of that happening. But yeah, I, I would say, it would take some pretty uh, a perfect confluence of circumstances for Freddie to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to come back for cheap to the, to the Maple Leafs. Which I also think is okay. Cause you kind of, you made a point, you alluded to it. Just obviously you can't keep everybody and they kind of want to prioritize. Yeah. Um, but just going really, again, really quickly, cause I know we have to wrap this up, but going to the hometown, you know, team friendly discount, I can kind of see Hyman taking one of those, a long-term yeah. secure deal as opposed to taking the bag, quote unquote. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, can they afford to keep Freddie, as Pat was alluding to, actually on like a one-year deal? Like if Hyman does take a bit of a, a discount, do they have money to play with to sign Freddie? Yeah. Yeah, that, that changes things for sure. Well, first off, they have a bajillion UFAs, mostly really cheap guys, but they have a lot of flexibility with like, you know, with who is going to be on that team, the Hyman thing, I'm with you. If anyone feels like they would take a hometown discount, it's Hyman. And part of that is because I think he is savvy enough to realize how he could leverage being like a near legend in Toronto. I mean, if he comes in, if he's making like 5 million bucks or less next season, everyone is going to appreciate every darn thing he does every shift. And he's going to, you know, never have to buy a drink in this town again, as they say. Um, (laughs) Yep. And, and I think he, he recognizes that value as a guy selling children's books and doing advertising and whatever. So I think it's possible that Hyman could do that. And then all of a sudden things get real interesting if he comes in at a low enough number. Yeah. I always saw him at like, almost like a, a Alex Kalorn type contract, you know, or sort of in that four four point five 4.5 at most yep. five. Yep. Um, yep. You know, just given, you know, what he's produced from a points perspective, 
because um, I've always been kind of leery paying guys that grind games out so eventually their bodies give out and you know and, and with Hyman he's not getting any younger either right so you know if we are looking at a longer term deal those last couple of years always look terrible I actually think that's a point that's really getting lost in the Toronto market is like right now everyone's looking at Hyman's stats and going he's got more goals than Willie guys like you know on pace for 30 goals this season he does this he four checks he penalty kills but you're right you know, it's like a, the uh, Justin Abdelkader, Darren Helm contracts in Toronto, like these guys who PK and forecheck and as part of their, you pay them for those things, then they get older and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, they lose a half a step and all of a sudden you're just a league average forechecker. It really changes it. So I would definitely be a little hesitant on term with Hyman, but like, you know, if you can get him for, I don't know, I think he turns 29 soon, four years, five years, something like that. That sounds good. I, uh, hopefully it's no longer than that. Well, Justin, it has been a pleasure and hope we can have you on again. And, um, you know, do you, is there anything that maybe we can help you promote? Do you have any initiatives going on? You know, in the meantime, I know with COVID, a lot of people are, are taking on some additional projects. So is there anything that maybe, you know, our listeners can kind of, you know, keep tabs on? You know what? I, I think the best things right now are, um, you know, what Chris Johnson is doing. You know, he's uh, got, got his run. Uh, raising money for, for COVID-19 causes. And uh, yeah, definitely check out Chris Johnson. But uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at JT Bourne. That's all I got to promote. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's a lot of fun. No, it's been great. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. And anytime. Talk to you soon. Take care. Man. Take care. Bye-bye.